Hi, I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi. This is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie read through each of the 14 books in this long series. Warning, this podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences, and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Fires of Heaven, book five, please proceed with caution. She put an arm around his shoulders, and he started back toward their tent. I saw you with the night runner, Matt Coffin. That was one of the Aiel names for Murdral. You are as tall as a man needs to be. Grinning, he slipped his arm around her waist, but he could not get the attack out of his head. He wanted to. His thoughts were too snarled in his borrowed memories. But he could not. Why had anyone launched such a hopeless assault? No one but a fool attacked overwhelming force without a reason. That was the thought he could not pry out of his head. No one attacked without a reason. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will dive in and discuss chapters 20 to 26 of The Fires of Heaven. Note, I have not read past chapter 26, and Will is going to do his best not to bring in anything from the rest of The Fires of Heaven or the next nine books during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 26, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read. Chapter summaries, as always, from dragonmount.com. Rand and his party come upon a village which has been burned by the Shido. The Shido have begun taking wetlanders as Gaishine. Avienda attempts once again to settle her debt to Rand by giving him the sword of King Lannan. He spoils it by giving back the hilt and sheath, but keeps the heron-marked blade. Trollocs serving Samael attack Rand's camp. Matt kills a Murdral. Rand and Avienda each kill a Dragcar. Rand remembers Samael's face. Rand's party exits Jengai Pass and enters Kyrian proper. Rand tells the Aiel they may take the fifth from the land they conquer, but that none of that is to be food. He forbids them from killing anyone who does not attack them first, under penalty of hanging. The wise one Cerilia asks Egwene whether Rand means what he says, and tries to play matchmaker with Avienda. Egwene spots Elaine talking to Brigitte in Teleran Riyadh. Elaine, Egwene, and the wise ones discuss the Shanchan. The Sredit Tainer Sarandin took an Adam with her when she left Falma. Egwene meets Elaine in private and asks about Brigitte, but Elaine has promised not to reveal her secrets. Egwene searches through papers in the Amaralyn study and is nearly trapped in an illusion of Mogedian's creation. Swan's party arrives in Saladar, where Shiriam and her circle interrogate Swan and Lyanna to prove their identities. All right, this read kind of like a middle section, but stuff happens, and I don't know, maybe it's just that we're five books in, and the middle sections in this book, aside from the the... Nynaeve and Elaine getting their shit together are going to be more like the middle sections of book four, where it's like, we're five books in, and there's a bunch of character stuff to do. Yeah, like, not a whole lot plot-wise happens, but things get set up. Yeah, like, the Kool'adin is becoming a rather compelling villain figure, because we come across a lot of towns that he's just decimated. Because he wants to send a message to Rand. Right. Too, which is, like, not cool, dude. And, like, even all the Aiel are like, dude, you can't be taking Wetlanders as Gaishine. Right, because they... That's not that's not what we do here. Well, and it's not even that you can't be doing that. It's just, it's such a foreign concept to the rest of them. They're like, they don't follow Gito. How can they be Gaishine? Right, no, he, they're like, they're, he's just taking slaves. They're not Gaishine. Right. Because they don't understand Gito. So, like... right. He's just taking prisoners. That's not cool. Yeah. Which, they're right. Because Gaishine is, like, a thing about honor. It, From what I remember, at least, usually the Gaishine did something that required... They were taken in battle. You become a Gaishine 
if you are captured in battle without being killed. Aren't, isn't it also kind of like it could be sort of like a punishment or something? Like if you did something, you could offer yourself up as Guy Shine to yeah, equal it out? Or that's like... a lot more rare. Okay. I, I think it's more of a, that is always read as more of like a folk thing. Like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make myself Guy Shine to make up for this. Like, no, no, you don't have to. Yeah. Like, like there are other ways to meet your toe. Yeah. Like carrying around little dolls. Right. Which is what all the maidens are doing right now. Yep. And honestly, I don't think it's because they need to be punished. It was more well, mostly... Kind of punishing them. They're, they're they... punishing themselves and Rand. So what it read like to me with the dolls is Rand... They kept going to Rand to be like, I, I need to make this up to you. You We weren't there to protect you. And he's like, I can't. I don't care, but clearly you do. So just, like, go talk to the wise ones because yeah. I don't want to deal with this anymore. And so it feels like the wise ones are like, why are you come? I am not punishing you for the thing you did. I'm punishing you for bothering me. Carry around a doll. You're not a child. That is a very wise one thing to do. But even like, then. It was kind of like as a, I'm not your mother. You can figure out how to manage your yeah. own toe. <laughs> but even, even then, the context behind that is, like, why are, why do they feel like they need to be punished? Like, it's it's weird that they feel like they need to be punished because Rand sent them to deal with the Trollocs. Right. They get attacked, and Rand's like, we're getting attacked. There's nothing here. Go help. And then yeah. the drag cars show up, and they're like, we weren't protecting you. We need to be punished. Or rather, it's, it's less, it's not, because it's, it's Aiel, right? It's and like, we this need is to... This what I fucking love about the we, Aiel. Like, we need to be equal. Like, we need to equal They out. have, they feel that they have an obligation to Rand for failing in their, their kind of assumed duty as his protectors, which Rand doesn't overly need a protector. He's got, you know, the one power. And Avienda. And Avienda. Who also has also the one Also has power. the one power. He's got both powers. <clears throat> but, um... You know, so they feel like they have this obligation to Rand. They feel like they have Toe, and so they go to meet their Toe, and Rand's just like, no, you don't have an obligation to me. And to them, they're they're thinking, no, but we clearly do. We or, feel this obligation. We have to meet it. And he, and I think even him trying to rationalize through the, like, Aiel way of thinking, he's like, but I told you to go, I gave you a duty, and you right. went and did that. It's not your fault that I got blindsided. Right. Like, that's my fault. Right. I, it's my fault I got blindsided. And so I, you were just doing what I asked you to do. And so he just he, he even in his like trying to understand Aiel ways. And I feel like he understands Aiel ways better than any non Aiel would. I yeah. Think he's getting and, a pretty good grasp on it. And I think better than well, clear, definitely better than Avienda gives him credit for, but not still not great. Yeah, it's not. But I think it's it's better than you could hope for, honestly. Especially it's probably only been what uh, Two months? Yeah. Like, I think he's got a surprisingly good handle on it for... Yeah. Like, like he's got a live-in tutor. Right. Which, there's some stuff there. Yeah. But all of that's with the attack. We'll, we'll get to the attack, because there's some other fun stuff with the attack. We open this section with them, with Rand and the Aiel, getting to Kyrian proper. They're actually in the country of Kyrian now. And are they actually in Kyrian, or are they yes. in Jengai Pass? What is Jengai Pass? Is that in Kyrian? It's like the... The pass from Kyrian to the Waste. So they're, like, getting to But there. then they come on the town. The, the town is in Kyrian. Okay. So they come on this town called Tyen, where uh, there's, like, a bunch of, like, kids left. Like, kids and women. And a couple of dudes. A couple, like, old men. Yeah. Because the Shido have been through probably, I think, what, not that far behind. 
No, not I that think, far ahead. Uh, they're about like six days, I think, yeah. is what they said. They're like, because Rand asks after they figure out what the heck happened. They're like, these guys smell. Why didn't you bury your friends and your family? And they're like, because they, they told me not to. Right. To, as a message to some guy following them. Yeah. So Kulida and the Shido kind of roll through this town. And they're Aiel, and this is not a military outpost. So they just annihilate the town. They've taken just about everything of any value. They've taken a bunch of people. This is the guy shine thing. You know, it, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> Kulida and the Shido are bad. Yep. And this cements it because they have left bodies hanging as a symbol for Rand. And they gave the remaining people who are, like I said, like women and children and old men, people who can't do labor mm-hmm. to they left them there with instructions that we'll come back and kill you if you take your bodies, the bodies of your friends down. And if this guy comes through following me, tell him. Yep. Bad. Yeah. Kulida needs to go. Ooh, does he? I have thoughts on that. I can't say anything about it. Kulin needs to go. Kulin needs to go. No. It's probably going to be a while before he goes. Maybe. I know when he does. That's the point of the podcast. That's the podcast. So I feel like we need a that's the podcast button. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> like the staples. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it was. It would make a good sticker. That's the podcast. Yeah, it would. One thing that has been happening while they've been traveling is Moraine has been, like, trying to cram as much knowledge into Rand's head as she possibly can in, like, a really short amount of time. She really is. She's kind of trying to do what Tom was trying to do and trying to teach him how to... How to be a king. How to be a king, how to play the game of houses, like, because yeah. Moraine knows how to play the game of houses. Yeah, he's getting, like, a third angle at it because he he had Tom and then he had Elaine and now he has Moraine and, like... You could probably not. The the only there are only a couple of people who you could add or replace in that kind of trifecta to get a better education in how to rule. Yeah. Probably swap out Elaine for somebody just because Elaine is new. Actually, I don't think you can swap out Elaine for someone. He's he listens to Elaine. That's why you can't swap her out because he's most receptive to her teaching him. Yeah, you could certainly because, add somebody you know. with more experience actually ruling Moraine. Could have been queen of Kyrian. I think you swap out Tom. Maybe you swap out Tom, but Tom is also really fucking good at it. Really is. But that's why, like, I think having Elaine try to teach him a little bit, now he's just more receptive to learning it a little bit. And he, I think, now understands the importance of knowing this stuff. He still doesn't want to, and you get that in his POV. But he understands why Moraine is doing this. And he's kind of just resigned himself to, like, okay, I do actually need to know this information. Yeah. Whereas and two books ago, when Tom was trying to t- teach him how to do this, he's like, I don't need to know this. Tom, yeah. you deal with it. And even then, like, we, we kind of learn here, like, Moraine absolutely made the right choice in being like, just let, I will do whatever you tell me to do. Just let me help you. Because he's, he's actually making an honest attempt to learn from her. Yeah. He's, he's absorbing the information. He's... You know, he's trusting her more. And I think Avienda kind of paved the way. A combination of Elaine and Avienda paved the way for him to be receptive to this information he doesn't necessarily want to learn. Elaine did it, you know, by pulling him into a corner and making out with him and then trying to give him king lessons, which, like, great way. (laughs) Great way to tutor, Elaine. A plus. You knew your subject and you got him to learn things. Yeah. And Avienda... 
has her own way of kind of <laughs> just beat him over the head with beat it. Beat him over the head with it, but he's also charmed by her. A so bit, like yeah. is also using he's that. He's thoroughly confused by her. I think he's charmed. I think he has a he has a crush on her. And he doesn't understand why, but he's like, she keeps popping up into my dreams with Elaine and Min. And so... That's true. And that is a very potent combination of people to be around. That's kind of how he figured out he might like Min. Is because like, well, if Min's here with Elaine, I know I like Elaine. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's got a, a measuring stick. And that measuring stick is a, a uh, feisty redhead. Fair. And I guess... Now maybe there's two of them. There's two. Because Avienda is also a redhead. Right. But so I think both of them kind of in two different ways. Like Avienda has been teaching him the way of the Aiel and he realized how important it is to know about the Aiel. And he's realized how having this information has made it easier for him to be around them. And so yeah. now now that Moraine's trying to teach him, he's like, okay, I get how learning about the Aiel helped with the Aiel. I get how learning about Kyrian is going to help me in Kyrian, yeah. and so and on and so she forth. She also does something that I think helps, where, one, she has kind of, by her oaths, forsworn manipulating him, right? Yep. So he knows that he can trust her. He, she's just trying to help him get to the last battle. And he, she also, especially with the news that the tower fell, is saying, don't trust any Aes Sedai except for me, Elaine, Egwene, and Nynaeve. Yep. Swan... Uh, Swan as far as Moraine is concerned, is dead. Or even or if she skilled. doesn't, it, and therefore no longer Aes Sedai. Right. So probably could trust. And you, you don't, you can't trust Swan in a certain way. Same how you technically can't trust Elaine, Nynaeve, or Gwen. They can all lie. Because they can all lie. And right. Rand even, knows that, but, but they're not going to lie to him. And even then, like, he didn't trust Moraine before she, she swore to not try to manipulate him because... I I said I can't lie, but that doesn't mean they have to tell the truth. But the way, the order in which she put the words to swear she wasn't going to manipulate him made him trust her. Right. He's like, there is no way she can get out of the order of words she just put. Right. So, like, I trust her. And I think if we eventually get a Soiree reunion, mm -hmm. I think by proxy he will be able to trust Swan. Because if Moraine trusts Swan, then... I don't know. Like anything, uh, he, Moraine's anything... trust, Moraine's trust for him is definitely not transferable. He already trusted Nynaeve, Elaine, and Egwene. If she says, no, Swan's idea is a good idea, I think that you should do that, he can trust that. Maybe, but he's he's also, with good reason, I think, very suspicious of Aes Sedai. Even though Swan is technically no longer Aes Sedai, he's going to have in the back of his mind... She could be manipulating... Swan could be manipulating me into doing this. That's I why, think, I think that's if why Swan the... were... If we were to get a, a Soiree reunion, Rand's trust in Moraine would require a lot more verification than it does currently. I think anything... If they were going to try to be smart about it, if they want Rand to listen to anything Swan has to say, Swan just has to tell it to Moraine, and Moraine has to tell it to Rand. Yes, but I think... If Swan were to reemerge, Rand's trust in Moraine would kind of bottom out again. He's never going to trust Moraine not to manipulate him. She told him as much. She told him, I'm going to try to manipulate you, farm boy, dragon reborn. Swan shows back up. Moraine becomes buddy-buddy with Swan again. In, you know, maybe butt-e, butt-e <laughs> with Swan again. Rand's like, Swan can use Moraine to get to me. I can't trust Moraine. 
That's fair. He's very suspicious because of Tom, partially. Yeah, no, and that's fair. And, and I like, think he should be suspicious of Aes Sedai. And even the fact that Moraine is like, no, you can't trust anyone but me because I've sworn an oath not to manipulate you. And I worded it in a way that I can't get out of it. Right. You can trust Elaine, Nynaeve, and Egwene because they love you in different ways. Right. But they love you. Yeah. They're not going to do anything on purpose. Right. Although the way Egwene is acting this book. Can you really trust Egwene? Egwene is very much the the type, and she did this the last section, to do some awful shit and call it in your best interest. And she's in this section. She doubles down. She doubles down and is a little bit proud of it, and it's just like, ugh. Like, don't be proud of that. No. Come on. Girl, get it together. Yeah. I don't think Egwene would ever hurt Rand, though. She wouldn't she wouldn't intend to hurt Rand, but he she would certainly if Rand weren't the dragon reborn, she would still him and tell him it's for his own good. Or gentle him and tell him it's for his own good. I don't think it would go that far. I absolutely do. I'm I like to hope, maybe. I think this there might be a hope. But I don't what I don't think that Rand has to worry about with Egwene is her trying to turn him over to the Dark One. That definitely is true. With, or or gentling him. Yeah. Nothing nothing like that is going to happen with Egwene, even if she might box his ears. Right. But, like, sometimes he needs his ears boxed. Yeah. Like. I don't think Egwene is the person to do that anymore. No, I think it's Avienda. It's Avienda or Elaine. Yeah. Like, he, he'll listen to them. It could be Nynaeve, too. He, I think he'd listen to Nynaeve. He'd also listen. She's, he'd she's also listen to Min. Sort of. I think he would... I feel like he'd be more receptive to listening to Min because once they eventually reunite, because I feel like there's nine books left, and <laughs> so they're gonna reunite. Yeah. Which makes me think there is going to be a Swan-Moraine reunion. Okay. Unless Min and Swan separate before Min reunites with Rand. There are nine books. There are nine books. But Swan's wrapped up in Saladar. Yeah. But if Min and Swan stay together... Moraine is not going to leave Rand's side, and therefore when Min reunites with Rand, it's a win, not an if. Okay. There will also be a Soiree reunion. Okay, so, so just... Min-Rand is definitely going to be a reuniting that happens. Soiree might not be? Is that what I'm hearing? It is a possibility. I really hope they reunite, because they deserve it. But, they definitely do deserve it. But it's only a certainty if... Min and Swan stay together. Yeah, definitely. Okay. There was a little bit more with Rand. We we spent a good amount of this section with Rand, uh, which has kind of flipped from last time where, like, he's being secretive about his plans, kind of even to himself, but not so much so, like, in the fourth book, or it was like, come on, man. It's like, clearly we're going to Kyrian to deal with the Shido and provide stability. He is not gaslighting himself as much in this book. And that's no. the only way I can think about it is that, like, he's just, especially since you're in his POV. And if you're not, <laughs> yeah. if you're not giving information and you're being secretive, like, who are you, who, who are you keeping it a secret from unless yourself? And is that, yeah. Yeah. So the, the other section with, with the attack uh, is when they set up camp. They set up camp outside of this Kyrian and town village it's not like a walled it's not a walled city it's not that big uh we learn a couple of things melaine has married bail so yep. she she talked to dorinda and they're now first they have like a combined ceremony where 
Melindra and Dorinda, M- not Melindra, Melaine and Dorinda became first sisters, and also Melaine married Bale. Yeah, I feel like the first sister one happened first, which is great. I it love did. that. It definitely did, because uh, it's kind of a requirement that they are that they are first sisters. Yeah. And it's nice that it's two separate ceremonies. Yeah, it's like, okay. Which implies something else, which implies that there is a ceremony that is unrelated to marriage to become somebody's first sister. Abiana said that, I feel like. She might have. I think she mentioned it, and in like in relation to Egwene and Elaine, uh-huh. and it, like you know, you're near first sisters. You've kind of already half made that thing. Yeah, there is something you can do if you guys want to be actual first sisters. Yeah, and Avienda and Egwene did something similar, not a full ceremony, but like they right. gave each other a present, and that kind of bonded them as yeah. near first sisters. Near sisters. Near That's sisters. So, which I also enjoy. Yeah, there, there was there was a. A marriage. We also learn that uh, Matt's spending a lot of time with Melindra. I mean, she kind of adopted him, and he's... A little bit. He's not going to turn down cuddling, so... Uh, No, and they're definitely doing the spicy version of cuddling. (laughs) Yep. The maidens are kind of taking bets on if Melindra will either give up the spear for Matt. Seems unlikely. It seems unlikely. Or teach him to sing. Which we later learn means... A man making a fool of himself over a maiden who's yeah. not going to give up the spear. It, it's a, like a, it's a very culturally loaded saying, which is another reason why I love the Wheel of Time because it has these like little like cultural stings that like teach him to sing is such an ordinary phrase. Yeah. But in the context of the Aiel, it carries so much more weight, and we get that weight explained to us. There's this whole thing about how like sometimes sometimes maidens will give up the spear for men. Mm-hmm. Sometimes men will give up the spear for maidens, and sometimes they'll go kind of so head over heels for the maidens that they will offer to make themselves guy shine to show their dedication. And they're all just like, that is not working how you want it to, because we're not going to look at you as a romantic partner at that point. Right. And so what the maidens do, apparently, is teach this man how to sing so that while he's doing something useless, at least he can provide some entertainment. Yep. <laughs> uh, cool. That's fun. I don't think that the maiden, any of the maidens, are going to be winning this bet. I don't no. think that Melinda is going to give up the spear, and I don't think Matt is going to make a fool of himself over this maiden, unless he figures out whoever the daughter of the Nine Moons is, and then he might. Just to yeah. make sure he doesn't have to deal with the daughter of the Nine Moons. Yeah. Which... He Fair. asks her, he's, he's apparently been asking her a lot, are you sure you don't know anything about the Nine Moons or the daughter of the Nine Moons? She's, She's like, like no. no, let me give you a naked massage. No, short boy, <laughs> let me massage you. She's like making fun of him for being short. She's like five, she's like six feet tall. Yeah. And he's 5'10", which is tall. I guess yeah. that's average height for a man in the United States. Yeah. But it's still that's pretty still tall. tall. He, he's... <laughs> He, he's, like, trying to make a point where he's like, I'm not, I'm taller than most of the people in my village. Rand is the freakishly tall one. And we looked this up. Matt's, like, 5'10". Rand is 6'6". Six, six. According to Robert Jordan. That's not just, Holy like, a shit. fandom thing. And, like, yeah. Parents like, parents like my height. Yeah, parents like 6'1", which, like, big, yeah. And I figured Matt would be the shortest of them. Not short. Like, I think he's either 5'10 or 5'11", depending on what source we looked at. Yeah. I I I picture him more at the five eleven. I was maybe, picturing him around six. 
five eleven and a half. I feel like just specifically. <laughs> so he says he's six foot tall. Okay, but he's not actually. And and Rand and Perrin would absolutely be like, "You're not actually six foot yeah. tall." And so Melindra, this like tall maiden of the spear, is like, "Yeah, you're really short, right?" <laughs> And she's not that much taller than him. Right. Which is makes he's, it even funnier. He's like developing a little complex about it. And she's just like trying to spoil him because she's just his he's just her little man. Yeah. And then and then the Trollocs attack. And he kills a Murdral and she's like Yeah, he so the Trollocs attack and there, there's an alarm. Rand set a ward and it's it's birds. It's two rivers birds. It's two, yeah, it's two rivers birds. And Matt he, and the Aiel both kind of comment on like, this is a good alarm. Because Matt's like, I recognize these birds and I know what they mean because they're kind of like geographically accurate to where they would show up in the two rivers. Yeah, he put like, if the alarm breaks from the north, it's one bird south. Like, he has regional birds specific, which like very, very well done. Yeah. And the other thing that the Aiel like is they're like, these birds aren't from around here, so they're very distinct. Yeah. Like, we don't know which bird is which. He definitely did not mean for either of those things to happen. The, the wards are 100% just for him. But but it helps that effective. Matt knows which direction it's coming from because he knows these birds. And it helps that the Aiel are like, I don't know the difference between each of these birds, but I know that they're not birds that I know. So yeah. I know that means the alarm was triggered. Well, and they can, they can recognize the bird calls and like they can associate the bird calls with directions. They just don't have an intuitive understanding of the bird calls. Yeah. And so the Trollocs attack and... While, it's just while Trollocs Matt, and Dark Friends. Troll, yeah, Trollocs, Dark Friends, Murdral, of course, because you can't really get Trollocs to do much without without the Murdral. And this interrupts a naked massage that Melindra is giving Matt. Yep. And the alarm goes off. He doesn't even really fully get dressed. No, he kind of shoves pants on because he's like, I. <laughs> Melindra just puts on her shufa and then runs out. And yep. He's like, I'm not going naked, which, yeah, fair. Yeah. He puts on pants, grabs his spear. And like kills two Trollocs right away, and then kills a Murdral. Yeah, there's a Murdral that show that's just like in the middle, and it's not really after anybody. It sees Matt and is like you, and he gets into a fight, and he's like remembering tactics and stuff and how to use his spear, mm-hmm. and he's just like putting a clinic on this Murdral. Yep, he kills it, and then he just keeps hacking at it so it doesn't accidentally kill him while it flails around and takes the rest of the day to die. Yep, and. Afterwards, Melindra's like, damn, that was impressive. You're as tall as you need to be. Let's go fuck. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't think she's going to be making any jokes about his height anymore. No. I think she was partially doing it just to see what kind of man he is. Yeah. Which is, I get it. Like, you're trying to test, like... I wouldn't call it fair, but I get it. Like, I get... I get it in the sense of you want to figure out what kind of man is he. Like, is he actually going to be a real dick about it? If so, do you want to be fucking him? Which the answer is no. I mean, unless you're just down for a good time, which if she's not going to give up the spear, if he's going to be a dick about it, but he's a good fuck. Eh, she could probably find a different good fuck. Probably not as good as Matt. He does probably know. He knows how to use a spear. He knows where. And he's got lots of memories. <laughs> They're not all about pitched battles. He understands the map of Tarvalin. Yes. Yes, he does. I'm assuming we never get confirmation. <laughs> I mean, would Melindra be dealing with the rumors that she hears of her fellow maidens making bets about whether or not she's going to give up the spear if he doesn't know where Tar- like know the map of Tarvalin? Yep. I wouldn't. 
That's true. I've like, my girlfriends are sitting around like talking about how I might be whipped for this man. I'm not gonna. That's true. I'm not gonna suffer that if he doesn't know how to get around Tarfallen. Yeah. Matt can probably find North Harbor. Yeah. To be fair, it's it's on a map. Yeah. It's not hard to find. It's not. It's right there. It's at the north. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, (laughs) taking a, a not quite so hard left turn, the other thing that gets kind of come across in this attack is the Dark Friends. And they, the first time it shows up, they're just like, the bees. <laughs> they don't even say Samael or Ilian. They're just like, the bees. Bees? Like, okay. <laughs> just why? Okay. And then they're like, Samael and the golden bees. Clearly, these are Samael's dark friends. Yeah. I, I mean, unless dark friends just go around talking <laughs> about bees, but <laughs> bees are our friends. I'd hope they wouldn't be dark friend spies. Yeah, bees are our friends. Save the bees. That would be bad. Not these bees, though. No, not the golden bees. Well, save the golden bees, because, like, Ilian's, like, a country of people ruled by ancient evil. So save them. And Remove Samael. Bring them back to the good side. Yeah. Go get Moraine to balefire Samael and make him irrelevant. Yes. Let's do that. Yeah. But yeah, there, this is the the last attack was Robin. This attack is Samael, and Matt didn't know the Robin portion of the last attack because he's sitting there like wondering like why would you be doing this? Well, this makes no sense. Like why are you attacking down here? Rand's up there, right? And it makes sense because when Drag we switch her. back to Rand's POV, the attack is a distraction. He got all of his maidens to go, and then, you know we we talked about that, and and he's like. Walking around, trying to figure out what to what to do, if he should go down and help, or if that's just going to be too much. Yeah. And then he kind of comes across Avienda, who's just, like, in a stupor. And there's a drag card there trying to dementor her soul away. Yep. And he bailfires it, because I guess that's his go-to weapon now. And he could probably pick a weapon that is a little less threatening to the fabric of the universe. He does mention that he kind of really tapers it. It's kind of... It, he's, like... Describes it as a pinpoint. He's very precise with it, but it's still Balefire. Yeah. Avienda snaps out of it, sees a drag car behind Rand, and blasts it with fire. And that seems like a much more reasonable way to deal with it than wiping it out of existence in the past. Not according to Rand, who immediately ducks for cover and then starts yelling at her. And then he sees a smoldering drag car and he's like, oh. Yeah. And then, but at that point... He, like, tries to apologize. He's like, I've never asked how I yield po- apologize. I probably should do that. They don't it's apologize. Too late. It's too late now. And he's, like, trying to sincerely apologize. And she's, like, not That's one it. of the things he doesn't get. He doesn't get about the Aeels. They don't apologize. They fulfill their obligation. Yes. I do think that if Avienda and Rand are going to work, she needs to take some lessons from Egwene about wetlanders. And realize... Maybe some. Just to kind of balance it out of, like, there are certain things that Rand's never going to understand, and I one of those things is going to be Giuto. Yeah. And so I think if they're going to work, Avienda needs to realize apologizing is his way of trying to balance that yeah. honor again. Definitely. It's... Uh, and, and even then, before the attack, so in an earlier section, Avienda had given Rand, I think it was a... It was a buckle. It was the buckle. She gave him the buckle. And he ref- he didn't accept it as a way to balance out his interest gift or whatever. Right. Because he, she's trying to balance things out. 
And so she gives him a sword now. That she, she gives clearly him a spent fancy him... ass sword. <laughs> she spent a lot of money on it. Yeah, it it is Lemon Damadred, the king, the former king of Kyrian's personal sword. It's a heron marked, power wrought sword with, with a like... hilt that is encrusted in rubies and a scabbard that is encrusted in rubies. And Rand is holding it, and he's just like, "What the fuck do I do with this?" He's he says like. This is not a sword meant to be used. This is a sword meant to be looked at. But, but he doesn't tell her that. He just thinks it. And then he sees that it's heron marked and he's like, that part I can use. Right. Well, he sees that it's power wrought. Anybody can make a heron, heron marked blade. He doesn't care about it being heron marked. He's, I, he doesn't think he's a blade master. I think he might a little bit on a subconscious level care that it's heron marked because like he lost his dad's heron marked sword. Yes, but this is also power wrought. His dad's. His, his dad's was power rot. Yeah, but I think it's the combination of the of the power yeah. rot hair and mark. Just like this is as close as I'm going to get to having my dad's sword yeah. again. So I won't, so I need and, the blade. And he feels a little awkward about the the hilt and the scabbard clearly being very expensive. And so he takes the hilt off and says, "I'll keep the blade to I'm, balance out whatever's going." He's like, yeah. finally, like to basically stop giving me presents. Yep. Fine, we're balanced, okay? <laughs> yeah. And he does it he does it in a very Aiel way and a very Aes Sedai way where he's like, I accept the blade. I'm not refusing the hilt or the scabbard because I never accepted them. Yes, I never I never even really touched the scabbard. Right. That I never accepted. I guess sort of I'm giving the hilt back, but like he He never accepted it. So yeah. it, it was never his to give back. And clearly Avienda is not having it because she like storms out. <laughs> because she likes him. <laughs> yeah. And, and and she's trying to figure it out and she feels bad because she thinks she's betraying Elaine. A uh, interesting thing we learn here, and I don't know if it's been mentioned in the past, but in book four, when we got the kind of past view of the Aiel, we saw that they, they didn't touch swords, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Dashain Aiel never touched weapons. But even when the first Aiel turned and picked up a weapon, it was a spear and they didn't want to touch a sword because that could only be used for killing. And that kind of prohibition against even touching a sword has continued because Avienda mentions that she went to the Wise Ones and asked if it would be okay if it was wrapped in a cloth. And the Aiel have been passing this sword around and selling it for ages. And she mentions that the price has gone way down, but it's like you still probably spent everything you had on this thing. Right. And he's not comfortable with it. Yeah. And we learn a little bit about... We, we already had a, a little bit of a backstory about why they hate Kyrianen so much. We get, a, like, an explicit, this is why we hate you, Kyrianen. And it's because Lyman Damadred, the former king, and I think, I think he's Moraine's uncle. Sure. They share a last name. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I don't know her family tree. Anyway, so Levin, so way back, they gave Kyrian, the king of Kyrian, Avendoraldera. I think I pronounced that wrong. But Avendosaur? No, it's not Avendosaura. It's a cutting. It's a sapling from Avendosaura. Yeah. As a gift for the kindness the, like, early Kyrianen showed the Aiel. And the Kyrianen were the only people who had free reign in the Waste, basically. They could go. They could trade. In the waste for goods from from the waste and from beyond from Shara, which is on the other side of the mountains from from the waste, and Laman was like, "Nah, I don't want a tree. I want a throne." Yeah, like 
the Kyrianans have been keeping this alive for a while, and he's the one who decided to cut it down and make a throne out of it. Yep. And then they got pissed. Which, like, Because it's like the ultimate violation of your honor. Yeah. Is cutting down this tree that was a gift from a one, literally one-of-a-kind tree. Yeah. Fair. Honestly, yeah, so I'd they, be pissed too. They go in, and and we had had references in the past to why the Aiel War just kind of like suddenly stopped, and they all went home. It's because they went and they killed Lemon. That's all. That was their goal. That was what they wanted to do. They didn't mean to start a war. They wanted to yep. just go kill him and then go back home. Yep. It, the The throne is basically Lemon's sin. Yeah. Of cutting down the tree, and so Lemon's sword was kind of passed around, traded between Aiel as like a hey, look. It's a cool thing, but they it was a sword and it was awful. Yeah. Like, they were never ever going to use it as a sword because they were Aiel. And, like, even if... They did use swords. You can't, can't use, use that it. thing. Like, Rand ha- grabs the hilt and is like, you can't use this in a fight. Yeah. So it'll slip right the fuck out of your hands. And then you're going to cut yourself. Like. Right. So, that's the backstory for Lemon. And now that we're in Kyrian with Aiel, it's a lot more relevant because it's, it's why later the... When... Rand is talking to the Aiel chiefs about this village that got destroyed. He's like, okay, well, clearly we can't, you know, we have to help them. And they're like, okay, fine. I guess we have to help them if you're telling us we have to help them. And you can't take the fifth from them because Kulidin already took everything. Right. There's not a fifth left to take. Other places that we take, you can take the fifth, but none of it can be food, which is weird. We talked about this a little bit. The fifth was never food. I, yeah, I don't know why he felt the need to mention it again. Because I remember when they were explaining the fifth that... It's not food. It's not food. It's like, just goods. It's goods, money, and, like, you can't take livestock that they would eat, but you can take, like, pack horses or Right, things mules, they would trade. Things they would use to trade. Like, they can take a mule in order to carry their fifth, but they can't take, like, a cow. Right. Because it provides food. Yeah. They want to make... The town that they took hurt a little bit, but not kill them once they're gone. Right. And taking their food is a death sentence. Yeah. And so he tells them that they can't take the fifth from places that cool it and attack. And they're they're not happy about that. And Rand, like, fucking lays down the law. He's like, if you take the fifth from this place or from any place that cool it and has touched, if you take, if you harass any of the people, if you take their food, I will hang you. It doesn't matter if you're a maiden, if you're a, you know, a member of a society, or if you're a chief, you will be hanged. And everybody in the tents is like, oh, fuck. Honestly, fair. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a... And he's, and he's very specific. He's like, if Kulina hasn't touched the town, do what you're going to do. Right. But don't take the fifth from these places that he's clearly violated. Right. And We're... he's violating these places. He's taking more than the fifth. He's like... I think, in a way, even though the Aiel don't like it, it's demonstrating that he kind of understands at least a little bit about the Aiel honor because he's like, Kuladin's not acting with any sort of honor. Mm-hmm. And so if you go on after him, therefore, whatever you do is also not honorable. Right. Because you're layering. You can't add honorable things on top of a dishonorable thing at that point. Right. And... So everybody in the tent is like, oh, fuck. And later on, we, like, we really, this this book is not a good book for Egwene because Egwene's just like, Rand is so arrogant telling people, telling them he's going to hang people. And Moraine's just like, no, he did what a ruler does. 
He's setting the law and he's enforcing it. And it doesn't matter who breaks the law. There are consequences. Yeah. And Gwen just doesn't get it. That's how that's how laws work. Right. And Rand is coming at it in, from a perspective of a commoner because that's what he was. He was a shepherd. The law doesn't care who you are to Rand. He's not a noble. He's never been a noble. He's going to make the law apply equally. And that's what he did in Tyr. And she didn't like it then either. Egwene is pissing me off. Yeah, she is. Like, Nynaeve is also pissing me off. Yep. And it makes me mad at Robert Jordan. (laughs) Because I liked Nynaeve and Egwene in the first couple of books. And now I just want to put them in pigtails and make them carry around little dolls. Because they're acting... Why am I identifying with a wise one right now? I do not like it. (laughs) Because I am mad. Egwene's like 18. They are acting like children. Egwene basically is. Oh, it's so annoying. But like, I'm also mad that Robert Jordan is making me identify with the wise ones <laughs> because that feels irrational. But yep. also, they're the only ones making sense right now. Yep. Yep. Egwene is definitely... Nynaeve needs to get her shit together. And I. it's very different between the two, right? Like... Nynaeve needs to get her shit together. She's having an identity crisis. So her being annoying is much more, like, I can identify with that much more than I can identify with Egwene, who is just kind of girl bossing too close to the sun. (laughs) She, yeah, she's girl bossing too close to the sun. I'm like, I I can't claim credit for for that statement. I don't remember where I first saw it, but I've definitely seen it in in context to Egwene before. Yeah, I don't remember where I first heard Girl Bossing Too Close to the Sun. And it's like, you know, take a chill pill, you don't know everything. Nynaeve isn't Girl Bossing at all. Nynaeve is just, I don't know who I am anymore. I was a wisdom. Now I'm some random lost accepted trying to figure out which side of a broken tower to go to while a man I love is bonded to another woman. Because girl bossing implies that you are not actually a boss. Yeah. It it implies that you are trying to be in power when you never had it to begin with. Nynaeve had it, and now it was taken, and so she's trying to find it again, which is much less annoying yeah. than girl... She's not girl bossing. She, no. No, she was legitimately just a boss. Yeah. And now she is no longer, and that is causing her problems, which is more understandable. Yeah. Whereas Egwene is just like, little girl. Yeah. Like With Nynaeve, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> you you're working through some stuff. Like it's it's frustrating to watch, but like you deserve to grow as a person. <laughs> you're gonna live for a much longer time. You you can have some you can have some growth. You can have a lot of growth as a treat, Nynaeve. That's cool. Also, like Egwene doing what she did in the last section. Right. So let's let's actually talk about that. So Egwene meets up with Elaine in the dream world. And it was supposed to be Nynaeve, and it's now supposed, it's Elaine. Yep. And it, Elaine's just like, yeah, Nynaeve hasn't been right for the last couple days. And she got in a fight with a bunch of circus folk, and now she has a headache, so it's me. Yep. And, uh, you know, yeah, Egwene did some awful shit to Nynaeve. And she's proud of it. Yeah. And I just... She's like, Nynaeve needed to be taken down a couple of pegs. I hope it's stuck. Good. Good. I like that it's stuck. Okay. Like, uh, like you're, you're, you weren't wrong, but you also... You're like, not wrong. You're just an asshole. <laughs> like, yes, Nynaeve needed to be taken down a few pegs, but you didn't need to do it that way. And, like, at that point, you... Even the needing to be taken down a few pegs is just wrong because you did 
the way you did it. Elaine needed to take Nynaeve down a couple of pegs, not Egwene. Yeah. Or the wise ones. The wise ones needed, and the wise ones might have done something very similar to what Egwene did to try to teach Nynaeve a lesson, but they yeah, would have done it with. We, and, but the thing that we, we learn here is that even Egwene, self-proclaimed expert of the dream world, gets shown up in an insane way. We'll get to it in a little bit. But first, let's talk about Brigitte. Yeah. Who Egwene finds out. She knew something was up. Yeah, she sees Elaine talking to Brigitte, and then she's like, okay, all of this is starting to make sense now. And when and you get, like, her inner monologue of, well, why didn't Nynaeve just say something? Now she's continuing to lie to me. And then Elaine's like, we swore an oath to keep the secret. You, do, you We're trying to do things that you don't understand, and I can't tell you about them. And then she's like, okay. I, get, I, I guess, guess I, get. I get it. You should still tell me, though, because it's the dream world and I know better than you. And Come then, on. And then the, the, where we end with Egwene is Egwene. It, it's a weird sequence, right? Because she, like, thinks she's seeing people. And then she's in the two rivers. And she thinks she's seeing people. And then she realizes, oh, no, I'm in Teleron Riyadh. This, these must be my dreams that are leaking here. And Because she's in the two rivers. Galad shows up for half a second. Well, or Galad shows up while she's in the tower. Yeah. And then she's like, nah, I have some more information on you. I'm not. Like, right. Why are you here? No. <laughs> and then she gets rid of him. Shows up in the two rivers where she's married to Gawain, which is like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then they have a kid. Yeah. And what we learn at the end with like a, I think a very effective, like it's like a two paragraph POV, POV shift. And it's very effective because we switch from Egwene to Mogadian, who has been crafting the actual dream world around Elaine in a dreamlike way. And she's like, hmm, this one's stronger than I thought she was. And she, But it's also in a way that's like, oh, yeah, I didn't really try all that hard because she's not who I'm really after. But I was just trying to test her out, and she's stronger than I thought she was. So. Right. And so we, we learn here that Egwene is still crazily outmatched by Mogedian in the dream world. Like, Elaine can make other people appear and make them do stuff to other people. Mogadian can influence how Elaine or how Egwene is thinking. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. That's, ter- it's kind of terrifying. And that is a person who is not Lanfear. Imagine what Lanfear can do. Yeah. If Lanfear wanted, like if Lanfear. If Mogadian can do this and she's not as well versed in the dream world, which we've they, gotten. They both think they're better than the other. It is unclear who is actually better. I am strangely more trusting of Lanfear thinking that she's... That's fair. And I don't know why, because she is... We haven't seen anything. We haven't seen anything. Also, she's... She's nuts. Insane. That might be why she's stronger, because we've we've learned repeatedly that the the Teleron Riyadh reflects what people are thinking, and the stronger... Your conviction is towards that thing that you're thinking, the more real it is. And she's nuts. So she's got that crazy person determination. She does. And also, I think just when a cri- when a crazy person says something, they are not... She's too crazy to lie, I think, is... Lanfear's too crazy to lie. I guess. she she. I don't think she will lie too much to Rand, but she'd lie to other people. She would. And so anything she says to Rand, I just believe because she's nuts. That's fair. And she's trying to get Rand to be impressed with her. Yeah. And so I just trust it. There, There is a piece of evidence at some point in the story 
I won't say where or when or how, that indicates that maybe there's some truth to what Lanfear is saying. But also, this is... What Mogenian is doing here is far and above what we've ever seen anybody do. Yes. Because we haven't actually seen Lanfear. She hasn't... She didn't even move. Like, Egwene did not leave the tower. The tower became the two rivers. Yep. Which is just It's like she saw it morph around her into the two rivers. Right. Which, like, dude. Yeah, Mogedian is not a joke. Nope. And, I, you know, I think it is kind of a toss-up, but geez. And she wasn't even trying that hard. No, she was just like, let's see what Egwene can do. She it, was kind of just feeling her out. It does lead to a, a question of, like, what what can you do? What If Lanfear was there with Elaine, like, what could Lanfear do to Elaine in the dream world without killing her that would leak outside? Could... Could Lanfear just, like, will Elaine to hate Rand and have it stick outside of the dream world? What happens there is what happens to them. Yeah. If she thought about it so hard and Elaine lost focus for a second or what, or kind of lost a battle of the wills, yeah. what could happen there? We do, back to Elaine, we get a glimpse of her in the dream world. And Elaine has clearly mastered this Teleron Riyadh thing a little bit faster than Nynaeve. Because even when the wise ones are trying to scold her for showing up earlier, doing... I don't remember what they were scolding her for. But Elaine, like, changes her outfit to be very queen-like. And yeah. then she just, like, completely... Details about it change as as she kind of, like, fluctuates in emotions or thinks about Rand. But... And it just makes her... But, like, they try to influence what she's wearing to try to do the wise one thing to put her in pigtails. And she's like, no. Yeah. I am a queen, damn it. Yeah. she's She's not... Totally controlled, but she, I think it, it kind of comes back to this identity crisis that it seems like Nynaeve is having, where Elaine is solid in who she is. She is Elaine Tracan, daughter heir of Andor. And I mean, just in mastering the Teleron Riyadh stuff, she has gotten to a point where she can make sure that other people can't control her as easily. Yeah. Whereas well, Nynaeve I, hasn't gotten there yeah, yet. I think that comes back into. Her image of herself is so solid. She might not be able to influence things outside of herself because she's not practiced at it, but her self-image is solid enough to not be fucked with. Yeah. Right? Like, other people can't impose that on her, whereas other people can definitely impose it on Nynaeve. She's having an identity crisis. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, I get it. I'm hoping once this identity crisis is sort of resolved, the channeling thing starts to get resolved. That would be nice. The way you said that makes me think it does not. <laughs> it's we'll going to be the, it's gonna be the last battle and she still can't fucking channel. I can tell you that it is not that long. <sighs> so the beginning of book 14. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the book 14 is mostly the last battle. Yeah, but there's still like 40 chapters before the chapter of the last battle. I guess. Or Some is of it... that is the last. I mean, the last, I don't know. The last battle is like a book length chapter. Yeah, but it's like halfway through the book. Yeah, I guess. So, like, page one, all of a sudden, Nynaeve could channel. It would still be before the last battle. That's true. It's going to be freaking page one of book 14. <laughs> yeah. I will riot. I don't know how I will riot, but I will. Okay. Wait, I could riot at Brando Sando. You could. I, I can... If it, if it takes that long, and I'm not confirming or denying that it does take that <laughs> if long. If it takes that long, there is a person I can tweet at. That's true. <laughs> you could tweet at our Lord and Savior, Brandon Sanderson. Yes. For uh, not 
getting it to it earlier. Like, dude, you wrote the last three books. Yep. You couldn't have handled that in book 12. Yep. You had to focus on some other stuff instead. Come on, man. Just throw a line in there. Like, oh, by the way, Nynaeve <laughs> can channel now. Honestly, I don't need there to be a reason anymore. I just, if it, I am so aggravated with that plot line <laughs> that if you just, like, if you I just. I will say that. If you just flipped a switch, if you just main character diseased her into being able to channel, that would be <laughs> fine. At least in this book, her lack of channeling ability hasn't come up as much. They've been in situations that are not solvable via channeling. Yes, but, like, I still know it's a thing. Yeah. And, there, and in fact, it's it's a little bit better because they're in situations where they should not be channeling. They're in a place where it's illegal. They are. Which does make it better because Elaine isn't channeling. Nobody's channeling around them. They're and, just in a circus. Until she's walking on the... Until she's walking on, on the tightrope. But Nynaeve was never going to do that to begin with, so it wasn't like... <laughs> no, she's like, I hand out the money, which was one, one that glimpse... Has, that has big your mom vibes. <laughs> no one on this podcast knows your mother but it has big mom vibes it does it has <laughs> my mom was traveling along and you're like well what can you do give you give money. money yeah <laughs> yeah that's my mom yep i think the last thing to talk about is swan we get a little bit of swan it's interesting i think that swan is a perspective character in this book it's not like a one-off thing is it Swan or is it Min? No, it's Min. It's Min. We haven't gotten the Swan chapter. We get most of the... Yeah, so much of that is what Swan is doing and what Min is thinking Swan is thinking. Yeah, and we get a lot of Min thinking about Liana, and I'm, I'm also starting to get just a little over her crush on Rand. And not like there needs to be something to substantiate it. Yeah, not just I saw it in a vision, so now I guess I'm in love with Rand. Right. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I need them to reunite. To be fair to Min, though, it is kind of truth in in fiction where like Min probably has literally nothing else to think about. They're just... just traveling through this boring ass countryside with a vengeful sixty year old woman who looks like a twenty year old. Who looks like a twenty year old. Liana, who is constantly flirting with Logan, and Logan, who at this point just would be okay with dying. And I think, and Min thinks that Liana is flirting with Logan to attempt to keep him propped up a little bit. Yeah. Because he was fine, and now it's starting to get to him again, and Liana has increased the amount of flirting as he starts to decrease, hoping that maybe it'll prop him up a little bit longer. Which is kind of funny, because... The way it reads, I don't think that this is the case, but the way it reads, it definitely reads like Liana increasing the flirting is what's driving Logan down. <laughs> like, it, that's not what's happening, but it reads that way a little bit. A little bit. And Min's like, is she flirting with him to try to keep him from giving up or does she actually like him? Which, yeah. like, I don't I don't remember what how they described book Logan. Mm. If it was show Logan, I kind of get it. I kind of get it, too. Yeah. Uh, he fits the profile. He does. He does fit your profile. Alvaro <laughs> Morte does fit the profile. <laughs> like, Logan could get it. Yeah. He's a little crazy. And I I feel like he scratches the same as uh, Winter Soldier Bucky Barnes. There's something about Winter Soldier he's, Bucky Barnes that hits different. He's cozy in a bad way. <laughs> he is. And crazy Logan with his powers is kind of I Yeah, I, I get it. There is something about Winter Soldier Bucky Barnes that hits there, different you're than... You're not wrong. Like, 
after he's no longer under mind control. Yeah, you're not wrong. He's got he's grimy and this is not a, this is not a Marvel podcast. No. But yeah, so so they they get to Saladar. Logan's not doing so hot. And they show up and they like walk into this meeting with Aes Sedai and all the Aes Sedai are like, who the fuck are you? They recognize men. They recognize men. And she's like, oh, nice of you to join us, I guess. But like, like what are you who doing? are these two little girls you brought with us? And Swan's like, yeah, Shiriam, I'm a little girl, huh? <laughs> and they're like, that voice sounds familiar. And they're all just like, voices can be trained. And then they just like continue to like ask questions and interrogate both Swan. They go through like a hour-long, hours-long interrogation where each one of them is asking different questions about things that they didn't think anybody else would know. And apparently Swan and Liana both were, like, pranksters at the tower, which I kind of love. Yeah. Like, I I need there to be fan fiction of that. It 100%. If there isn't, I will write it. It 100% tracks for Swan, though. Like, I can just see... I need, like... Prankster, Moraine, Swan, and Liana just, like, derping around the tower and being all, like, mischievous. I yeah. need it. I need it. To go back a little bit, I pulled up a picture of Alvaro Motre without the long hair. He yeah, fits the profile. He does. If he were a little bit more gray. Like, that turtleneck? <laughs> <laughs> there is something about a turtleneck. There is. I, I I have a type. It's okay. You have a type. <laughs> Women It's okay. And... We'll move on. <laughs> Salt and pepper. Lots women of nice and, men. Yeah. Women and cozy Latino men. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's fair. Uh, all right. Not to completely derail things, but Alvaro Morte. <laughs> <laughs> He's no Oscar Isaac. He's no Oscar Isaac. <laughs> or Daddy Pedro Pascal. No. Who I really, anytime I think about Ruark, I think Pedro, Pedro Pascal. Pascal. And I know that's not what he looks no. like, but he's got the vibes. He does have the vibes. If it's you're casting true. based on vibes and personality, Pedro Pascal is Ruark. Yep, yep. But yeah, I mean, the the back to the eyes to eye stuff, there really isn't too much more there. Like, they just got there. And they, they go through this interrogation, and Min's like, the Amberlin seat was a prankster? Yeah. What is happening? And then they take, like, the eyes to eye are like, all right, I believe you. And then Min, go sit with Loghain. Make sure he doesn't. Fade into existence. Yeah, make sure he doesn't kill himself. Or just disappear. Yeah. Like melt into the scenery. And then they take Swan and Lana off and talk about things. Yep. That's about all that happens. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get more on that. Yes. And I, I think we are immediately going to get more on that. I think that's where the next chapter picks up. That would make sense. Like, it wouldn't track Robert to Jordan skip. is not the kind of writer to cut that in the middle. Yeah. Some writers, I, I've just finished listening to book two of the Bloodsorn trilogy, and John Gwynn, every chapter is a different POV. You go, if you do that, though, you do expect the, the shift. You're like, I know I'm not going to get would, the rest of this Yeah, in the you next expect chapter. it a little bit more. It, it's, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of it. Sometimes he, he will have it so that it's different POVs who are involved in the same event. So, like, when we switch <clears throat> from Rand to Matt? Yeah. You're just getting a different side of the event. Yeah. So sometimes it'll be that. But Robert Jordan is not that writer. He will, for the most part, if something is started in one chapter and it is not resolved, he will resolve it in the next one. Unless there is a reason not to. Right. Which is to create suspense or to 
add hills and valleys into his plot arc. <laughs> Sometimes literally by talking about hills and valleys for <laughs> two paragraphs. Yeah, well. Yeah. He's a very descriptive writer. He likes to describe landscapes. It, he does. And that's and uh, clothes. Landscapes, clothes, scents. Yeah. He's he's very descriptive, and that's part of what I like about the movie. He doesn't really describe food, which is... No, he doesn't. It's like, when you read an epic fantasy, Robert Jordan likes to describe landscapes and clothes. George R. R. Martin likes to describe food. Yep. I Those are really the epic fantasies I've read. There's probably trademarks of other authors that's yeah. like, that's what you want. That's what, like, is a trademark of their writing. You expect them to describe the thing. Yep, yep. Robert Jordan is a very... Very uh, landscape descriptive writer. For and clothes, sure. which is very helpful for cosplay players. It is. It definitely is. Uh, and yeah, and not in like a voyeuristic way. Like yeah. the clo- when he describes clothes on a woman, he he does write a lot of large chested women. Like they all have ample bosoms. <laughs> I think be- in my head, it's not. I don't picture a skinny woman with big boobs when he does that, though. They are definitely not all that. I'm imagining mid-sized women, which I appreciate. He writes a variety. Like, Min is very thin. And he, she is not described as being very ample-chested. No. So I think ample-chested is his way of trying to describe a more mid-sized person. Plump. Plump. He will say plump. That tends to he be... He describes Varen as plump quite often. That describes more plus size to me than mid-size. Mid-size okay. was like a size... Like between like eight and fourteen in women's sizes. Okay. Plus size is like eighteen up, and you would say plump. Sure. For a plus size person. He either way, he definitely has a wide variety of body types in women. Not so much in men who are either like toned warriors or fat innkeepers. Yeah. Those are really the only two types of men you encounter. But those are that describes their you really only meet people who know how to use a weapon or innkeepers. Yeah. We haven't really met men who don't know how to... That's true. We've Tom. only... Tom's an old man, but Tom's a fighter. He's, Tom's a fighter. He's... he's surprisingly lean. Yeah. Like, we haven't seen him described without wearing any clothes or anything. True. But... Th- there is the rare skinny innkeeper. Which are... Who are untrustworthy. <laughs> untrustworthy. Do not trust a skinny innkeeper. Because of that one time Rand had a bad time. Yeah. And also because Bran is is plus size, and Rand just wants everything to be like the two rivers. That's fair. Yeah, I get it. I guess is a don't trust a skinny innkeeper, the Wheel of Time version of never trust a skinny chef. Yeah. 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 That, that makes sense. But the women, the women are mostly Aes Sedai, or wise ones, and or, or maidens. There are a lot of women in this series. There are. Like, so many. And that, I mean, this is why, like, despite the fact that he writes one type of woman. He, he writes a limited number of types of women. He writes basically the same four women for all of his women. Right, but there are a lot of them. <laughs> yes. We don't... This series doesn't have the problem that most epic fantasy does, whereas there is one woman, and it is a very pretty person who is a damsel in distress. Right. There are very few damsels in distress, and when they're in distress, they can probably get themselves out. Like, even Min, who doesn't have any powers whatsoever, I would not... She might need to be rescued for certain things, but she's scrappy. Yeah. She can figure her way out of normal people situations. And even in that scenario, when Min and Swan and Lyanna are all in trouble, when when they are ostensibly damsels in distress... The person who rescues them is Laris, the mistress of the kitchens. Yep. It's not Gawain, 
Gawain actually causes them some trouble. Yep. He helps them, but he also causes them trouble. Yeah, and I'm totally okay with women saving other women. Yeah. Especially when some women have power and some don't. And in that situation, there's no way people without powers can get out of that situation. Right. Because it's a powered situation. If it's just like some dude with a knife threatening men, she can probably figure that out on her own. She doesn't need someone to come save her. If it's an Aes Sedai with powers threatening her, yeah, she's going to need some help. Yeah. She doesn't have any powers. Yep. That's fair. Or if it's like a Trolloc, yeah, she might hit yeah. it with a frying pan. And the number of times that Moraine has saved Rand's ass. Yeah. Like, he was going to get bail-fired by fucking Belal, a forsaken who's around for all of two paragraphs. But she bail-fired him first. Avienda saves Rand from a drag car. Right. He definitely doesn't have a damsel in distress problem. And he definitely doesn't have a number of women characters problem. Because we get, they're talking about Rand some, but we get whole sections with Egwene and Elaine and the wise ones having a conversation that's not about a man. We, the book does, each book has so far passed the Bechdel test. Yeah. And like, it's good. It's got flaws, but it's good. It was written in the 90s and early 2000s by a southern white man. Yeah. Like, it's it does have some problems with it, how it portrays women characters, but it at least doesn't have the, this is a woman and she is only meant for decoration. Right. She doesn't have, it's not Leia in the bikini. No. In Star Wars. Yeah. The yeah. one character who's forced to dress yeah. pro- pro- provocatively. Mm-hmm. Yep. They so- don't have that problem. No, Most of the people don't dress provocatively. No, just Barrelane, the Domani, and occasionally maidens, but not, but only by Wetlander standards. Technically, they're not dressing provocatively. That is a good point. They are just not dressing. Yeah. And like Nynaeve finds Terabonor dress scandalous, but that's because Nynaeve is from the Two Rivers, where they dress more modestly. Yes. It's not necessarily scandalous, just Nynaeve thinks it is. Right. She also would be scandalized by how often the I.O. just walk around naked. Yeah. You're in a desert. You're in a desert. I would walk around more naked if I lived in a desert. Totally fair. I would not run out naked into the nighttime to fight a bunch of Trollocs. No. Because it's going to be cold. It is going to be cold, although fighting would warm you up. That's true. I don't want to just have clothes on to try to protect myself a little bit. Protective clothing is good. Armor is nice, but the A.O. don't really wear armor because, like, they run. (laughs) They're not on horses. But, like, if, like, you get slashed and it might, like, the clothing might protect you a little bit. Yeah. Like, a little bit. Yeah. Like, I understand why Matt wanted to put pants on. He's got dangly bits. You don't want to be... You don't... You don't want to be dicks out fighting the trollocs. (laughs) No, (laughs) because you've got dangly bits that might get caught. Pants... Keep the bits from dangling too much. Yes. Very, I very get. True. I get why he put pants on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't... The Aiel don't seem to have that qualm. It's the dance of the spears. Maybe... I don't know. They've figured out... They've figured out how to move with the dangling, I guess. I guess. Anyway, let's do some recurring segments and stop talking about... Dangly bits? Uh, fighting <laughs> Trollocs with your dick out. <laughs> Auras. We Prophecies. get... We get some men auras in this section, some new ones. Uh, To note, Logan's halo has been appearing more often the more depressed he gets, which makes me think he's not going to die unless the halo and the, like, aura of honor around him is Logan gets to go to heaven. Maybe. But 
is there heaven in in the concept of like the religions of the Wheel of Time? I don't know. The the Westlands is that what the show calls it? Because I refuse to call it. That's what the show calls it, and that's what the origins of the Wheel of Time calls it. It's fucking Randland, though. I'm a purist. It's Randland. I mean, the origins of the Wheel of Time is canon, and therefore... The origins of the Wheel of Time describes canon. It is not... I don't think it is canon in and of itself, but it describes things that are canon. Therefore, it is canon, and therefore, it is the Westlands. (laughs) Anyway. But what do you think about the Dark One's taint? (laughs) No. Uh, you've you've derailed, you've derailed me because you Logan has a halo, and we Logan get a couple a on the other Aes Sedai who are yeah, present. Yeah, Shiriam has, like, rays of silver and blue around her, and there's a couple of eyes, other Aes Sedai. Like, one of them has an Adam. Yep. And Min's like, there is no point in warning her about that. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen whether I do anything or not. It's just gonna frighten her and then open me up. Like, right. I, it's, and I kind of get it on that part of, like, do you want to know that's going to happen to you at some point? Yeah. I wouldn't. No. Don't no. tell me. Yeah. I mean, most of men's visions I wouldn't want to know. That's fair. And because most of them are not avoidable. Some are. Yeah. Like, if it seems like one that's avoidable, maybe tell me so that I can avoid it. But, like, I don't want some sort of, like, in my head is it's now that I know about this thing, it has to happen. It's definitely not that, but sometimes it is. Yeah, and so, like, I don't want to know which one... I don't want to know any of them because it might be one of those. Yeah. Whereas, like, now that I know it has to happen kind of thing, like... Yeah. I'd rather it be organic. Like, I wouldn't want to know that I'm supposed to fall in love with Rand. That's fair. Because if I have to fall in love with someone, I'd want it to be organic, not just because a vision told me to. That's fair. I would hope that if you were going to fall in love with somebody, it would be organic. Yeah. Wife. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any guesses on what these mean, other than the item, which is pretty... <laughs> it's just bad times there. There's There was one with a raven. Yeah. A dark one. They use birds. Okay. Do you think... There, do you think what do you, what do you think there? Like, is that is she maybe Black Aja? Is she? I don't know. I just, something. There's just it's something. It's just a raven. It's just a raven that usually means the dark one. Okay. Which isn't wasn't Perrin's vision a hawk and a raven, or is it a hawk and hawk and an eagle? Eagle. Okay. Then never mind. Which we we know what those are pretty much. I don't know that we know. I don't know that we, that we have explicit confirmation on the eagle. I don't think it's an the eagle. hawk is Fael. The hawk is Fael, obviously. Anyway. Uh, Sherium, I have no idea what rays of silver and blue are. Okay. And I wrote them down. I don't know that they're going to make it into my full notebook. Most of the eyes that I visions, I just kind of... It's just like random stuff. It's like Easter eggs for later when something happens. Yeah, I'm not too pressed about figuring out what they are, though. Like... Yeah. Okay. What about ship updates? Anything new? We have not gotten any literal ships. No one's on nope. a boat. Nothing. No literal ships. Avienda and Rand are still uh, doing that hate to love forced proximity thing going on. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan. <clears throat> There's a bit of fun stuff at the beginning about how Rand, like, gets in bed and turns around and closes his eyes when Avienda is going to get in bed. Yeah. Because now that they're in a tent, they have to, like, sleep next to each other. Yep. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Like, she kind of gets... Is she getting undressed under her covers? Yes. Which is not an ideal thing to do. No. And I don't think she's doing that just because it would make Rand uncomfortable because he doesn't understand ideal ways. You think that's a sign that at least she subconsciously likes him? 
I mean, we've already gotten plenty of signs that she subconsciously <laughs> likes him. This is just a confirmation that, like, to her, if she gets naked around Rand, it is not in the normal way she would be getting naked. It's not the platonic it's ideal not the way platonic... of being naked around each other. Yeah. It, like, it's just more confirmation that okay. she likes him. Okay, cool. What about favorite moments? I think the Melindra and Matt stuff. I think that's mine, too, with a close second being Rand confused of the maidens carrying dolls around. Yeah, that one's funny, too. <laughs> it's one of those two. They're both nice moments. Back to weird prophetic auras. We get, I don't know if it's new information or not, but when Egwene and Elaine are talking about the... The Shreddit Tamer. Yeah, the Elephant Tamer. <laughs> <laughs> They mentioned something about the nine moons in relation to the Shan Chan. Okay. And I did not, I can't remember if I didn't know that the nine moons were related to Shan Chan or if I just forgot and now it's brand new information again because I forgot. But I don't like that. I do not necessarily <laughs> want Matt to marry a Shan Chan. Okay. Like, Aginan has gotten a pass because she's clearly. She's questioning. She's questioning it. Aginan is going to pass the vibe check eventually. Okay, maybe he marries Aginan. Nah, nah. Okay. If anyone's marrying Aginan, it's Bail Doman. <laughs> okay, okay. Like, if Aginan's getting married to someone, it's going to be to Bail Doman. Sure. They just make more sense. They're pirates together. Like, they're going to be on a boat. I just kind of want them... She's not a pirate, but she's got I... pirate vibes. I want them to nope off on a boat. That's fair. That's very fair. I don't want Matt to nope off on a boat. Okay. But I also don't want him to marry a Shan Chan, so... Very, very fair. The Shan Chan are awful. Unless maybe it's this elephant tamer. Because she clearly... She seems chill. She seems... She's more interested in the elephants than in being Shan Chan. Yeah. He, if, but... She's just from there. But she's not anything to do with the nine moons, so it's not her. Right, right. But yes, that is more of a... We're getting close to figuring out who the heck the daughter of the nine moons is. Now yes. at least I know to be wary of any, like... To keep my guard on for when Matt meets Shan Chan people. Yes, this like, is the second Shan Chan we've met since they got driven back in book two. Yes, and so now anytime I meet a Shan Chan in relation to Matt, I'm going to be like, are you the daughter of the Nine Moons? Okay, cool. Now I know when to start piquing my interest. That's true. It's very true. Alrighty, this was chapters 20 through 26. Next time. We will be reading chapters 27 through 33. Bye. Bye.